fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. right my name is scott adams you're listening to the scott adams show I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and uh well we're gonna talk about the trump grand jury indictment that may never happen who knows it may happen it may have not happen but there's a lot going on with that story and um we have a, a lot of different um clips on that uh, we also want to talk about Fauci and Muriel Bowser going through the streets of, uh, I think it was D.C., and getting the getting it handed to them um, in terms of pushing the vaccine, uh, which was kind of uh, an interesting dynamic in and of itself. We're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about... Um, the uh, meeting between uh, President Xi of China and and Vladimir Putin of Russia. And what makes that very significant? You know, they try to play Russia down as a nothing burger, like the, the, they are broke, they're financially whipped, they're, they're, they're nothing. But if that was the case, why would China take such a risk? Why would China take such a bold step? Why would China put themselves out on a limb like they have for Russia if Russia was a nothing burger? Because people are trying to suggest, of course, they're, they're not very smart people, but the people that are trying to, like China is neutral. China basically provides slave labor not only for the West, but for the East and for everything in between. China's all about slave labor. We know what China is. And we know they're powerful. And we know they have a big military. But if China was worried about offending one side of the world over another, then Ask yourself the question, why in the world would they show up in Moscow? Think about it. And then think about the idea that 
The answer to that question is they have a monopoly on slave labor and manufacturing and the supply chain. And they basically eat our lunch. That's the statement. That is the takeaway from the meeting between China and Russia. Vladimir Putin never kissed so much butt as he did with Vladimir, uh, with Xi. You know, Putin was always the boss in the room. But when Xi came to town, Putin said to Xi, you know, we are envious. We are envious of your economic prowess and your economic dominance. We are envious of you. And of course, he was grateful, too, because if China did not come to Russia's aid, yeah, then Russia would have been, uh, uh, you know, basically a toy. But China did come to Russia's aid. And that changes everything. And why people are not talking about it is probably because the district attorney created some noise in New York City over Stormy Daniels. Right? It's a diversion. We don't want to print the news that Hunter Biden is a crack addict that used his dad's name to sell out America. We don't want to talk about the serious business of the world, the Ukraine war, and the money laundering, and the corruption that's going on there. We don't want to talk about the open border and all the atrocities that are happening there. No, we don't want to talk about any of this stuff. Because the stuff that really matters is the stuff we're not talking about. And boy, it does burn me up. It really does. But we're going to talk about it. Donald Trump tweeted out, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and other nations of a less than friendly nature are busy carving up the world as our once great United States of America sits back and watches. We are a failing nation with open borders, fake elections, and a horrible inflation-riddled economy. We no longer set the standard. The standard sets us. Our so-called leader does nothing except eat, sleep, and crap. He used the S word. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? I had to look that up, by the way, yesterday. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Of course, I know it's from Mrs. Robinson. But there's a story where <laughs> Paul Simon from Simon and Garfunkel, one of my favorite acts of all time, I saw Simon and Garfunkel perform outside in Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh in 1983. Loved it. Big Simon and Garfunkel fan. And Joe DiMaggio, who 
married Marilyn Monroe, um, was in a restaurant, and Paul Simon is in the same restaurant. I think it was in New York. And Paul Simon was like the biggest Yankees fan of all time. Okay? And Paul Simon walks into the restaurant and says, oh, I'm Paul Simon. Um, I wrote a, a, a song called Mrs. Robinson where you're in, in it. He says, I know, sit down. <laughs> this is what I read yesterday. I read this just yesterday. And and he said, no, it wasn't about, what do you mean? I'm still here. Paul uh, Joe DiMaggio says, where have you gone, Joe I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm everywhere. I didn't go anywhere. And, you know, of course, Paul Simon was talking about. It was talk, similar to like what Bob Dole said to uh, Bill Clinton. I want a bridge to the past. And Bill Clinton owned him from that point forward and said, I want a bridge to the future. Do you remember that debate? And it got real serious, real quiet in the room. And and the point of the matter is, is that Bob Dole was right. And the point of the matter, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? We used to stand for something. We used to have integrity. We used to have some scruples as to how we cheated. We may have cheated, but there was something about it. You could go back to the Godfather and the mob and say, we'll get involved with the olive oil business and some gambling, but we're not going to get into heroin. That's, uh, that's a bridge too far. We have our own standards. We're not going to get into that white powder, that, that cocaine. We're not going to do that. Alcohol, you know, prohibition, whatever. We'll do whatever. But yeah, there, was, there, was, there were standards among thieves. And uh, I think that's sort of what, what, what uh, Trump meant when he said, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? We want our old country back. We want things that, no, we're not talking about slavery and we're not talking about civil rights and we're not talking about that bullcrap because it was the Democrats that ruined America with that segregation and that uh, discrimination and that intolerance. It was the Democrats that did that every step of the way. And I could argue that in any debate stage Anywhere. That is a fact. No, no. We always embraced the content of one's character over the color of one's skin, like, like, just like uh, Martin Luther King did. But we are now in a political dissident kind of thing where political dissidents who basically complain about election fraud, which we know is happening, are getting arrested and thrown in jail, and the key is being thrown away. And nobody is standing up for these people. Yeah, a couple of reporters, Julie Kelly comes to mind. But please, we are not doing enough in America. But when we do, 
it's going to be too late. And that's a sad, sad, sad truth. When we do, it'll be too late. The reason why they want lower population, they, they don't want 9 billion people. Because it's like this. Say you're in a jail cell. And, and put your head and imagine this for just one moment. You have 10 guys in the jail cell. Oh, oh I forgot to mute that. All right. So say, say you're 10 guys in a jail cell and you are one guy with a Glock 17. You have 17 bullets in the chamber. And you have a Glock. And you have 10 adversaries in the jail cell. Okay? Think about it like this. And it's a game of survival. And the 10 people want to kill you. And you only want to survive. You want to survive. And how are you going to do it? Well, if they come at you one by one, you could shoot one by one. You have 17 bullets. There's only 10 of them. You kill each one uh, as they come up to you, right? But if they bull rush you, if they bull rush you, all 10, all 10 bull rush you, you'll be eaten and you'll you'll not survive. And I think that's the way Klaus Schwab and the elites look at it. And and one of the ways is that they don't want 9 billion people climbing over them like roaches. Because they look at us like we're roaches. We're supposed to eat insects. We'll own nothing and be happy, right? You know, we've heard all the stories. We know the facts. So they don't want, they can't control 9 billion people. They can't control in America, they can't control 330 million people rising up and storming the Capitol. So my point is, is that we need to be all for one and one for all. And we could put an end to this nonsense. And the idea is when that day happens, it's really going to be too late. We are going to be a shell of ourselves. But the reason why they want population decline is because they want a more manageable um, population of rodents to, to manage. We are the rodents. (laughs) That's how they see us. We are the rodents in their eyes, not in my eyes, not in God's eyes. But we are the rodents to them. And I think you need to stop looking at yourself as potentially their equal or any of those things and start realizing that the people that are governing you are not your friend. I think that when Trump said, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? I think he was talking about 
when God, when when America was whole. And I don't think we're talking about that anymore. I think that's long gone. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, you know, it's really bizarre. But when was the last time we had either a liberal or a Bush in the White House? Think about it. And the answer will scare you. Trump was an accident. Trump happened by accident. It was a mistake. They miscalculated the algorithm. They didn't cheat well enough. They didn't know how powerful MAGA was. And Trump got to be Trump for four years. But think about it. Think about it. There was Trump, 2016 to 2020. And now you got this 50-year-old, 50 years of Washingtonian experience. Some, you know, I'm not even going to beat him up. I'm not going to beat him up because, you know, it's Joe Biden, right? But there's Joe Biden, Obama, and the Clintons. You go back and you got Herbert Walker Bush and George W. Bush. And can you tell me and distinguish what the difference is between them? I don't think you can. And so the point is you have to go all the way back to Reagan. And they tried to kill him. And it was George Herbert Walker Bush and the Bushes that met with the Hinckleys that week, right? Or it's supposed to be. Caller, you're on the air. Yeah, real quick. I know you're packed with stuff you got to get in, but real quick. If they are successful with this latest criminal stunt they're pulling on Trump, and they are successful doing it, I'll tell you right now, the next people they're going to come after are you and all the radio hosts in this country because that's our lifeline to our freedom that still gives us freedom, are you radio hosts, and they will come after you. And I'm trying to think day and night, what are some of the things we can do? Of course, we got to stop. Uh, buying from liberal companies. But one of the things I thought, the IRS, that's the bloodline, the money for this country. If you have money coming from the IRS, of course you want to file ASAP yesterday to get your money. If you have money you owe them, I would suggest people file the extension to October because anything to stop giving them their money, our money, that they take and uh, do everybody, stuff like this. Yeah, that's a good point. Everybody should file an extension because... Yes, yes. <laughs> Unless you, you have you, money no, no, coming. No, no, no. You know why? Because the interest alone. Keep your interest. Delay your payment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. From Spread the, the word. aggregate and, perspective, uh, the interest... You know, maybe individually the interest isn't that much, but from an aggregate perspective, if everybody were to work together... In doing that, it would have a huge impact yes. on the government. I, I believe so. And we have to do something because we're not winning right now. They are destroying us one by one, and we have to do something because we're we're at critical mass. And if they do this, again, I say, if they do this to Trump and they're successful with it, the next people they're going to go after are you 
and every other radio host, because that is our lifeline. You are providing us information. You are holding us together. And when you're gone, we're all gone. So God bless you and keep up the fight. Thank you. And thank you for calling in. Take care. Wow. Yeah, it is a serious, serious effort that we're undertaking. Um, this is a serious business, folks. This this is really, really serious business. Honestly, we're we're kind we're at war, right? We're at war. Um. So I read to you Donald Trump's tweet, and uh, that was put out by Dinesh D'Souza. And Representative Jim Jordan says, was the Manhattan DA's office in communication with DOJ about their investigation of President Donald Trump? Was the Manhattan DA's office using federal funds to investigate President Trump? Alvin Bragg owes our committee answers, and they are subpoenaing Alvin Bragg, that fat, stupid, Guy in Manhattan. Uh, What a loser that guy is. Unbelievable loser. And we are going to go after him. Uh, One of my favorite um, thinkers is Vivek Ramaswamy. And um, I saw him speak a few times. I, I really like the guy. I actually think it was a really dumb move, though. I mean, this guy is one of the smartest guys I think I've ever ran into. And uh, he's so brilliant. I love him so much. But he's running for president. (laughs) And uh, it's like, look, that was a dumb move. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Vivek Ramaswamy became the VP pick for uh, President Trump. He is that good. He doesn't stand a chance against Trump, obviously. But I wonder, you know, and I wonder what the strategies are behind the decision to run for president, you know. But I definitely think he's more ready than DeSantis is to be Trump's VP. DeSantis has come out with a, he's made a bunch of missteps lately. We're going to play a DeSantis clip as well. And DeSantis said something that uh, was disrespectful to Trump. And people didn't like it. He said, I don't know, you know, I can't get my head around, you know, I can't get my head into the game of how you pay off a a hooker or, or a, a prostitute um, that might be shaking somebody down, you know, as a billionaire. And and people were like, ah, that was a low jab, right? Could be. Um, it's true, though. You could make that statement, and it would be true. You're not a billionaire, and you're not a celebrity. But did he have to say it? Um, I don't know. Anyway, here's Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. And I really do like this guy. I like him a lot. Um and he's running for president. Of course, he's not going to get my vote. Trump's getting my vote. But <clears throat> let's take a listen. Somebody who's running in an election in a primary against Trump here. This has nothing to do with me and even nothing to do even with Trump, actually. It has to do with integrity in the country where 
if this, for these set of same facts, would somebody else have been criminally prosecuted? The answer is absolutely not. And so this argument that he should be protected just because he's a political candidate is a straw man because the real answer is that he's being prosecuted precisely because he is one. And I think that that is just something that sets a dangerous precedent. And I would ask everyone, I would ask everyone on this on this space right here to, to just run through a thought experiment for a second. Just try it on like a set of clothes, okay? You, I promise you can put it back on the rack if it doesn't fit afterwards. But for a second, just try this on like a set of clothes, okay? It's now 2004. Bush is the U.S. president. Dick Cheney is the vice president. These are the evil warmongers, okay? The evil, the, the, the face of the left of modern evil as the left saw it at the time. John Kerry's running for president of the United States. There's a ministerial campaign finance violation, say involving his wife, Teresa Hines Kerry or whatever. There's plenty to talk about there. Some ministerial campaign finance violation that normally would have either gone with a slap on the wrist or no notice at all that is instead criminally prosecuted in a way that prevents John Kerry from running in that election. Be honest with yourself. Look inside and ask yourself what any progressive, any liberal, frankly, any American would have said at the time, that it was wrong, full stop. And you know what? They would have been right because it would have been a rejection of the electoral process itself to say that the people of this country don't get to decide who actually governs, but that it's the party in power. And you mark my words, if we set a precedent in this country where the ruling party in America can use police power to actually arrest its political opponents, I think that is the beginning of the end of the American experiment itself. And I am not saying anything about, forget about defending Donald Trump, forget about, you know, whether this is a, you know, whether this is a Republican or a Democrat issue. On the issue of first principles itself, I can think of no greater way to head on a march to a national divorce, to actually undermine trust in our electoral system than to use police power to eliminate one of the political candidates. And I say this as a political candidate who's running against him. I think that's this about deeper principles than politics, and I just wanted to add that to the conversation. Yeah, and that is uh, interesting. And, you know, the thing is, though, I would say to that is that... It cannot be a one-way street. You don't find love on a one-way street. One of my favorite songs. I found love on a two-way street. Anyway, the thing is, is that you have to understand that that the only way you're going to beat the bully in the bullyard is to punch him in the face like that, Right? You got you to gotta punch back. You know, Mike Tyson said it best. He said, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Everybody's got a plan. Until George Soros gets punched in the face. Right? So it's time to start swinging for the fences. I mean it. It's time. And you know, the thing is, is two wrongs don't make a right and and turn the other cheek. I'm I'm tired of this now, because they are they are relentless. They got Antifa. They got Black Lives Matter. They got all these militant groups. These morons. These dummies. That are just criminals. And we're just taking it. 
Who's we? When I say we, I'm not talking about skin color. I'm not talking about religion. I am talking about people with love in their hearts, with families to raise, with jobs to work. That's what I'm talking about. It's not about an us versus them in terms of skin color or gender or any of those things. No, it's not. The Republicans have a wide and broad and big tent. We accept and love everybody. But we are trying to get the job done in our communities. We are trying to raise good people in our families. We are trying to build a village, not tear it apart and divide it. And the people that are standing in the way of that are the people that we need to push back against. That is the answer and that is the key. Let's take a listen to one citizen here. You want to indict Trump? You want to arrest him? Book him, perp walk him, get your pictures? You know what I say to that? Go right ahead. Because in doing so, you have made a former president of the United States of America, a billionaire, that much more relatable to the common American man. That will turn liberals into conservatives. And that will only add fuel to this train. So, like I said, go ahead. But the Make America Great Again movement is only going to grow bigger and stronger. That's my take. Have a great day. You know, there are plenty of Democrats that are really upset with this. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a problem for Democrats. They don't know what to do. Here's uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, he um, responds to the reports of a possible Trump indictment. We are not involved in this and won't be involved in this. I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus. That doesn't sound too friendly, does it? Hmm. Yes, ma'am. Hi, uh, Megan from the Florida Standard. Uh, we wanted to know what your thoughts are on the rumored Trump indictment, and if you have any role in it, um, if charges are brought on him, would you have any role in extradition to New York? Thank so you. I've seen rumors swirl. I have not seen any facts uh, yet, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. The, the Manhattan District Attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, the, the crime rate go up, and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into 
paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. That was actually a brilliant response there. You know, what people took exception to is that one remark about, well, I don't know what it's like to you know have a porn star or whatever. Yeah, he didn't need to say that. And, uh, you know, but in any case, um, let's continue on word with uh, this particular. Um, I want I wanted to play this. Michael Cohen's um, former legal advisor, Robert Costello, who appeared before the Trump grand jury today, it says that was yesterday. Uh, calls Cohen a convicted perjurer and says this is right after he got out of court. And he was also on Tucker last night. But this was raw and good information. I, This was Michael Cohen's former legal advisor, basically attorney. Um, and here he is on behalf of Donald Trump. Again, grand jury usually never accepts remarks from a defense. And they did this time. And he's addressing six emails out of 330 emails that were cherry-picked by the prosecutor, the Trump haters. And he had to only talk about just the six emails out of the 330 emails. And this is what he said. I'm the one who decided to do this. A lot of people cautioned me against it because I had nothing to gain. The only thing I'm doing is trying to tell the truth to the grand jurors because I read all these lies in the, in the media that are being promoted by one side. If you see the full picture, you know, listen, if they want to go after Donald Trump and they have solid evidence, so be it. But Michael Cohn is far from solid evidence. This guy, by any prosecutor's standard, and I used to be deputy chief of the criminal division in the Southern District of New York. I wouldn't have touched a guy like Michael Cohen, especially if he's a convicted perjurer. Not to mention, as I said, the 50 to 100 lies he told us that are in those 330 emails. I can't say that because you really you just don't know. I can't read people's minds. I could see certainly a few of them were doing what you're doing right now, shaking your head up and down. Uh, 
but not everybody. So I just don't know. I would love for those people to watch TV or something tonight or just remember what I said and say to the prosecutors, listen, we'd like to see the rest of those emails. Don't cherry pick six emails out of 330 and then ask Costello questions about it. That's not fair by anybody's standard. That's pretty. I have a, a statement here I'll give to you people. Yeah. That's what he told us. Yes. Not his own money. Money that he borrowed pursuant to a HELOC loan. Yeah. And why did you take the loan, Michael? I didn't. I wanted this secret. I didn't even want my own wife to know, much less Melania Trump. You know? So just to be clear, did he ever specifically tell you that Donald Trump does not know Yes, absolutely. He said that. He said that? You know, that's what he said at the time. Is it true? I don't know. Did you tell the grand jury that? Yes, I did. But I had to force that into an answer. They were getting upset because they'd asked me a limited question based on one of these six emails, and I would volunteer information that I thought the grand jury needed to hear. Okay? Did you hear how rigged that is? He had to force information that they didn't want to be heard to the grand jury. So maybe the grand jury will do the right thing, and they're not as woke as, as this, uh, you know, Alvin Bragg. But who knows, right? Because they're being kept in the dark over this stuff. Here's Tucker's open. The dominant rumor on the internet over the weekend was that Donald Trump will soon be indicted, possibly even handcuffed on camera. Is that true? We can't say. We do know that Trump is the subject of a grand jury investigation in Manhattan. That's a city that voted against Donald Trump by almost 80 percent in the last presidential election. We also know that the grand jury was impaneled by a Soros-funded DA called Alvin Bragg, who looks and acts like a Tawana Brawley-era Al Sharpton. So we would assume, on the basis of that evidence, that it's pretty likely Trump does get charged with something at some point. But charged with what? That's the question that should matter. In a free country, laws are universal. Laws apply to all citizens equally, precisely because all citizens are considered equal. For generations, this was very obvious to American liberals. In fact, it was the basis of their worldview. That was back when liberals opposed Jim Crow and were not trying to reinstate it as something called equity. We are not liberals, but we retain the traditional American view, which is that laws must be applied equally or else they're not laws at all. Justice must be blind or else it is tyranny. So we spent the day with the help of a lawyer on our staff trying to assess the likely charges against Donald Trump. And here's what we found. Eight years ago, as he was running for president, Trump paid a porn actress called Stormy Daniels $130,000. Daniels alleged that she and Trump had at one point had sex. Trump denied that. He still denies it. But in exchange for promising not to repeat that claim in public, Trump, through his then attorney, Michael Cohen, sent Stormy Daniels a check. Was that legal? Well, we can answer that question. Because there was a campaign in progress at the time, officials at the Federal Election Commission later examined the transaction between Trump and Stormy Daniels. Federal investigators concluded that nothing criminal had taken place. And in fact, settlements like this, whatever you think of them, are common, both among famous people, celebrities, and in corporate America. The result is usually known as an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. In this case, you can believe whatever side you want to believe, but paying people not to talk about things, hush money, is ordinary in modern America. 
According to the FEC, there was no need for Donald Trump to report his payments to Stormy Daniels, nor was the money that he sent her through his attorney subject to campaign finance limitations. The FEC determined the entire thing was a personal expenditure. It clearly was. So what is the crime here? Well, the media don't seem very interested in finding out. This is Donald Trump. He's a criminal. Everything he does is a crime. Watch. Simply because he may have committed worse crimes, you don't let him off of lesser crimes. If you are, for example, seeking a prosecution for murder, if the guy gets caught drunk driving in another context before that, you don't just let him go because you have bigger fish to fry. Nobody is above the law, including Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that this is kind of a minor crime compared to some of the other allegations. A crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. That's what anybody prosecuting or a judge would say. A crime is a crime is a crime, as Mika mm-hmm. said. An indictment is an indictment is an indictment. When I hear people saying this is much ado about nothing, I think about all the members of Congress I serve with and understanding every single one of them would have been charged and sent to jail had they done this. I was reading the Bible, which said that that a man sows, that he may also weep. Joe Scarborough, ladies and gentlemen, telling us what a crime is. A crime with a woman. Okay. There's Al Sharpton lecturing us about the Bible. It's hilarious. Oh, the hypocrisy. But it didn't really answer the question. Why are we handcuffing Donald Trump? Liberals don't seem to care at all as long as it happens, as long as Trump gets handcuffed. But in fact, there's plenty of evidence that Trump committed no crime in sending money to Stormy Daniels. We don't have to guess. Consider the case of former North Carolina Senator John Edwards. Edwards was often described as a fiery liberal, but in fact, he was a populist. He ran for president twice and in the process infuriated the leaders of the Democratic Party by talking way too much about income inequality. They really hated him for that. Long after Edwards left office, Barack Obama's DOJ charged him with federal finance violations. So the premise of the case against John Edwards was that he had received a million dollars in gifts and that he spent that money in hush money payments to his mistress, with whom he later had a child. Obama's DOJ argued that the money that Edwards sent to his girlfriend amounted to campaign contributions. Edwards never reported that money, so Obama's DOJ tried to send him to prison. Well, in the end, the case fell apart under the weight of its own incoherence. So Obama's lawyers argued that any payment that could conceivably help a political candidate politically is by definition a campaign expenditure. There's no law that says that, by the way. They just made it up. But if you think about it for a second, it doesn't make sense. If that were true, flip it around. It would mean that candidates could use donor money and also taxpayer money in the form of federal matching funds to pay for any personal expense as long as that expense could conceivably benefit them politically. So candidates could take federal matching funds, tax dollars, to buy Ferraris as long as they argued those Ferraris would appear in campaign ads, etc., etc., it's nonsensical. So not surprisingly, John Edwards was acquitted in that case. It was a humiliating defeat for the Obama administration, but it also sent a clear message and set a precedent, which Alvin Bragg apparently is ignoring. So we don't know that an indictment's coming, as noted, and if it does come, we're not sure what it's going to say. We haven't seen it. But if Trump is indicted for sending money to Stormy Daniels, well, you'll be watching the abuse of law enforcement power. Oh, but you can't complain about it. Because as Congresswoman Maxine Waters has explained, political protests staged on behalf of Donald Trump are not constitutionally protected. They're domestic terrorism. Watch. This is Donald Trump 
uh, sending messages out to domestic terrorists uh, that he's worked with and he helped to organize for the invasion of the Capitol on January 5th. He's sending out a message to them to get ready to protest any arrests, uh, indictments, etc. that he may have. So he's basically uh, talking to the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, QAnon, KKK. Oh, January 6th. The only really organized group on January 6th was the FBI, of course. But consider the idea and where it's coming from. This is Maxine Waters. This is the lady who cheered on the L.A. race riots three decades ago. This is the very same person who just a few years ago said, and we're quoting, if you see anybody from the Trump cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, she's very old, get out and create a crowd. And you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Basically necklace them. Okay, Maxine Waters. But she's a Democrat, so these are this is just a civil rights exercise. She's protected from domestic terrorism charges. And Alvin Bragg is too. He's a Democrat. And you should know, we don't want to impugn his character or anything. We don't want to suggest that there's a connection between politics and the indictment of Donald Trump. But Alvin Bragg did run for office promising, as a campaign promise, to indict Donald Trump. We're not guessing. He gave televised interviews about it. Watch. All right, so newspaper reports today say we could expect to see an indictment to be handed down against Donald Trump soon. Any thoughts on how you would handle such a high-profile case? Certainly throughout my career, I've gone wherever the facts have taken me. And the types of allegations that have been reported publicly, um, valuation of assets, um, uh, perhaps the use of, of, of shell companies, tax fraud. I, I did, I, I've done all these sort of cases. I've tried a mortgage fraud case. I've tried one of the most significant money laundering cases uh, in the New York region. So uh, of all the candidates, I sort of stand at the ready uh, with all the tools in the toolkit. Yeah, we're going to go after Trump. And by the way, he listed some real crimes there, and they have spent years trying to pin those crimes on Trump. They even got his tax returns illegally, uh, and they found none of them. Not an offense of Trump, just true. So we wind up with this, which is piddling. But what's interesting is even as Bragg has been single-mindedly focused, Bragg, a graduate of Harvard College, on Donald Trump and his crimes sending money to a porn star, he has been not only ignoring real crimes, but downgrading felonies to misdemeanors and letting actual violent criminals out of jail as quickly as possible. On his first day in office, first day, Bragg, consistent with the ideas of the man who paid for his campaign, George Soros, issued a memo explaining his office will, quote, not seek a carceral sentence except in cases involving homicides, economic crimes, and a small number of felonies. Now, that was great news for people who commit violent felonies, including rapists like Justin Washington. Washington struck a deal with Bragg that allowed him to serve just 30 days in jail under the theory that his rape was really just second-degree coercion. So he got out quickly. And when he did, police say this same man sexually attacked five other people in the Bronx. He even tried to rape a homeless woman at 10 in the morning. Okay. So in another case, a career criminal who was arrested three times in four months for serious crimes, including assault and aggravated harassment, skipped court. And when police finally found him and hauled him to court, Bragg's Bragg's office let him go in January of last year. Guess what he did when he got out? He murdered a woman. 
A growing makeshift memorial in front of a New York City apartment building honoring Christina Yuna Lee after police say a man followed her home and attacked her, stabbing her to death. This security video obtained by NBC News appears to show Lee being followed by the suspect. When they arrived, the door was barricaded. When cops went into the apartment, investigators say they found the body of a 35-year-old woman, later identified as Lee, in her bathroom and the suspect covered in blood. Police say Osama Nash was arrested and charged with Lee's murder. This was his eighth arrest since May of 2021. (laughs) What's interesting is that no one cares. Where's Joe Scarborough on that? Is he upset about it? Is his wife upset? Power to women. Right. All the arch feminists who should be out there defending women, they don't care at all. So here you have a DA who treats violent felonies like they're misdemeanors, even when it gets people killed, who's unleashing criminals on the population, but then spending all of his time trying to destroy his political opponents. In this case, elevating a misdemeanor charge to a felony for the purpose of taking down Trump. Now, here's what we think, if there is an indictment, will form the core of the charge. Bragg seems to be alleging that Trump violated New York's Business Record Act, by falsely reporting the payout to Stormy Daniels as, quote, legal fees. Now, if this were true, it would constitute a misdemeanor, and the statute of limitations has already run out for that, for the bookkeeping error, assuming it even happened. But Bragg apparently is thinking about charging Trump under a felony version of the business records law, one that punishes businesses for falsifying records as a way to commit another separate crime. That would be the campaign finance violation, which, as we mentioned, was not a campaign finance violation. And we know that from the FEC, which polices campaign finance violations. And by the way, if it were, then that would be a federal crime, not something that Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, would be prosecuting. The whole thing doesn't make any sense at all. On a legal level, on a political level, it does, because Trump is running for president. So what's behind this? Is he acting alone? We may soon find out. Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, who sits in the House Judiciary Committee, is calling on Bragg to testify before the Congress. He wants to hear Bragg explain whether or not he's had any contact with the White House or the Biden DOJ. And if he has, maybe that will explain these charges. He also wants to know whether this prosecution will use any federal funds. Let's hope Alvin Bragg, who is committed to the rule of law, complies or is forced to comply very soon. But no matter what happens, if this indictment arrives, no matter who you voted for or plan on voting for, make no mistake, this is a turning point for the country. Now, the headline here is not that they're being unfair to Donald Trump again, though, of course, they are, or even that Trump is the former president of the United States. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) I mean, though, as long as we are indicting retired presidents, where are the charges against George W. Bush for invading Iraq under false pretenses and giving permanent normalized trade relations to China? which completely wrecked our economy. Where are those charges? Don't hold your breath. In Washington, wrecking your own country is not considered a crime. And of course, George W. Bush knows that well, which is why he doesn't seem worried at all. Criticizing the ruling class, that's what they indict you for. But either way, Donald Trump's former job as president of the United States is not really the point here. Yes, of course you can indict former presidents if they've done something wrong. That's not what this is about. The headline here is that there is As noted, a presidential race in progress right now. And if you check the polls, you will find that Trump is leading the Republican field. That's the unprecedented thing. Taking out your opponent using the justice system. 
if the Democratic Party is allowed to do this, allowed to crush the presidential frontrunner, the main threat to their power, with a bogus criminal case, where does that leave us? We're done. Because that precedent will live forever. And voters will never again determine the outcome of a presidential election. It's remarkable when you think about it. So after all the yelling from permanent Washington about January 6th and how it was a threat to our democratic norms and the peaceful transfer of power, they've decided to completely short circuit our democratic norms, not to mention the peaceful transfer of power using the courts and prosecutors. What happens if they get away with this? No one seems to be thinking this through. Everyone's all spun up. But what happens if they get away with this? If they use the Justice Department, in full view of everyone, to settle a political score and to keep the White House, just to take a guy out of the race who seems to be doing fairly well, we'll destroy the justice system. And that's not a small thing. A functioning justice system has kept this country peaceful for hundreds of years. The purpose of a justice system is to administer justice so that citizens don't have to do it themselves. You outsource that duty to the government. But what happens when you take that away? When there is no justice system? What happens when the Department of Justice decides that its goal is not justice, but protecting the ruling class at all costs? Think about that. People are still going to demand justice. The desire for justice is an inherent human desire. We are born with it. But if there's no neutral place to do it, some people will decide they're going to have to do it themselves. Ooh. Now, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we can say for certain it's going to be really ugly. So they hate Donald Trump. Fine. But they don't get to destroy America's justice system because they do. We would never recover from that. Robert Costello was legal. Ad- well, that was that was an amazing open that uh, Tucker gave. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, that is exactly where we are right now, folks. We are at a precipice in our country where justice is being turned against us as, as you know, the FBI did, as, as the Department of Justice uh, did on January 6th, because we questioned the outcome of an election, because we know that election fraud happened. You question election fraud... And you get thrown in jail. You know, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And we know that election fraud happened. And we're not allowed to say anything. And we're being ruled by the people that benefited from the fraud. And they're turning their military and their justice system and their guns on us. And... At the same time, they want to take away your guns. It's, it's, it's amazing what the time we're living in. But we're at the end of the show. So, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out MAGAPAC.org. Make a donation if you can. Use Red State over at MyPillow. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Right Bye, everybody. The